0: Our reading is from Ephesians chapter two and reading from verse 19 to 22 and then chapter three, verses 14 and 15. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. As part of our Y Church series, today we're looking at what it means to be the family of God. You know, last week Tim spoke on the church as the building of God and challenged us to resist the urge to build God our own little, pretty little boxes that we call church, trying to presuppose His works and His grace. And instead, with Christ as our cornerstone, to make every effort to allow the Holy Spirit to build us His church, as Paul writes in this passage in Ephesians, in Him, Christ you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And so carrying on from where Tim left off, I want us to look at being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit from the perspective of family. Now, I know the very mention of the word family It evokes multiple thoughts and emotions, and historically families have evolved and they've changed and they've adapted according to social conditions and trends. However, one thing is clear, its importance has remained. And this is largely due to the fact that whether a person is part of a traditional or extended or adopted or inclusive or dysfunctional or abusive or broken family unit, there is still the universal understanding that family is foundational to life and family is foundational to social interaction. That the family is the place we find or we should find love and trust and respect and understanding and support and protection and healthy boundaries and provision and dependency and a framework of values that continue for the rest of our lives. And when it comes to that child-parent relationship, the family is the single most important influence on a child's life and the single most important responsibility that a parent carries throughout life. And ultimately, the family is the place we call our dwelling place, our home. That's why it's so painful and damaging when families break up or a child is orphaned. Because there is that innate and instinctive sense that this breaking up is not how it's meant to be. And the reason? Yes, experience and study has shown again and again the core importance of family life and living and what happens when it's absent or damaged. But so much more than this or any conclusion that we can make, it's because God has ordained it so. In fact, as Paul writes in the the next chapter in Ephesians, the whole family in heaven and earth is named after the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3 verse 15. In the family relationship of the Trinity, God's original design and intention was for all humankind made in his image to be birthed and rooted and blessed and fruitful in the context of family. But then more than this, God's redeeming design and intention for all of humankind, made in his image, is to be born again and rooted and blessed and fruitful in the context of his family. And both are revealed in scripture. You know, in the early chapters in Genesis, we see the first family coming into being with Adam and Eve growing, facing pain and tragedy, and yet despite all of this, learning what it means to build family life. We see God save one family, Noah's family, from that flood that wiped out all the corruption and wickedness on the earth at the time, making an everlasting covenant with this family on behalf of the earth. And a sign of this was the rainbow. You know, just as an aside, every time you see a rainbow in the sky, it speaks of the importance family is to the Lord, amongst other things. Then we see the Lord call out a specific family, Abraham's family, for whom he would bless all nations. Genesis 12, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then he chose and called out from captivity the Hebrew family. And call them his holy people, his special treasure above all the peoples of the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 14. And through whom all the nations would discover God's love for them. And then as this family grew and expanded and extended one generation to the other. At times keeping in line with God's covenant, his family covenant with them. And other times completely breaking it. We see one son. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, come into the world to save the world so that all who receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, whoever believes in Jesus, regardless of gender or race or social standing, receives him into their hearts, would be born again supernaturally into the family of God. And you see, this is essentially the church, the body of Christ, composed of those who by faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, because of his great love for us on the cross and his grace poured out for us, as Paul writes in Romans 8, are adopted into his family, Let me just read these amazing words from Romans 8 to us. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Isn't that wonderful? But you know, it's so important that we understand this, that we grasp this, because primarily and ultimately, it's in the family of God that we discover our identity, who we are, our equality, who we are to each other, and our destiny, who we are to God. And you see, when we discover this this trilogy of life, identity, equality, destiny, it changes everything about the church as family. It changes everything about what it means for us to be family together, all embracing and unconditionally loving one another and those around us. And I just want to briefly look at these three things together. And so it's in the family of God we discover our identity, who we are, that we're no longer, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, we're no longer strangers and foreigners. We're children of our heavenly dad. We belong to him, which means we don't need to strive to be something we're not. We don't need to wear masks with each other. And sadly, this can be seen so much uh, in our world, in our society, and even in our church. As many of you know, I have two adult daughters and I love them so much. Already both of them have travelled the world serving the Lord in different ways. But you know what I love is when they come home, when they come and make their dwelling place our home, they know who they are and they live in the freedom of being our daughters, not striving to be anything else. And so, for example, they don't ask permission to open the front door and enter. They help themselves to the food that's in the fridge, deep joy, and any provision that's in the house. They know that I'm their dad and that nothing changes the way that I love and care for them, and and so on. They know who they are. And you see, in a much greater, deeper, and profound way, this is the Father's heart for us. He loves us for who we are. Just say that to yourself. He loves you for who you are. He loves me for who I am. We are his children and we need to learn to love ourselves in this way too. But also to make our family home his dwelling place and his dwelling place our family home. And you see, when we do, not only do we discover and live out our identity, but we release others to know who they are in the freedom of God's love. And this is being family. In the family of God, we discover our identity, who we are. But in the family of God, we also discover our equality, who we are to each other. You see, in God's family, no one is better than the other. No one role is greater than the other. We we saw this when Sarah spoke to us a few weeks back on the body of Christ, and I love that analogy she used about the microphone and the toilet brush, that we shouldn't be able to pick up a microphone if we're not willing to pick up a toilet brush and serve. What an amazing analogy. And I, I, I want to encourage all of us on the back of this to stop creating and stop maintaining a pseudo-inferiority superiority standard when it comes to church and church life. And it's a a mindset that is so often unspoken and subtle, but nonetheless present. Let me just give you an example of this. The way that we honour, for example, a preacher more than a cleaner. Or the way that we consider a minister to be more important than a creche helper. You know, I love my daughters equally the same. And you know, actually, it's the most natural thing for me to do that. It's it's unnatural for a father to have favorites with his children. And how much more is the supernatural reality of the father's love for us? As children in his family, we are all equally important to the Father, and his heart's desire for us is to be equally built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. For us to make a home together. You know, one of the most poignant passages in Scripture is found in Luke 15. It's verses 11 to 32. And I just want to encourage you to read it. It's about the prodigal son. And you may know it, but still read it. If you don't know it, read it. But it tells us of how the father in the story of these prodigal sons, plural. How he must have longed for his two sons to know their identity and their equality. But what happens? The younger one goes away and he wastes his life for a time until he comes to his senses and when he arrives home, he discovers who he truly is. And then the older son who, who stays at home, but he just cannot see how equally important he is to the father and he sees himself as lesser than his brother. And he has to be reminded by the father who says to him, son, you're always with me. All I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. You see, in the family of God, the church, God has ordained it so that we can celebrate every role. God has designed it so that we can champion each other as brothers and sisters. He's made it possible by His Holy Spirit that we can grow together and succeed in the serving roles and the giftings that we've all been given. He's loved us unconditionally through Jesus that we can support and encourage each other without restraint or the need to outdo someone or undermine someone's role. He's blessed us so that we can honor each other when our ceiling or my ceiling becomes someone else's floor. And he's poured out his grace upon us so that we can raise up spiritual sons and daughters without any fear of losing out. And all of this, knowing that we're in his family together, equally loved by the father. See, this is being his family. It's knowing our identity, who we are, knowing Our equality, who we are to each other. And then thirdly, in the family of God, we discover our destiny. Who we are to God. And actually where we're heading, as Paul writes here in this passage in Ephesians with the saints and the members of his household. And then elsewhere in Romans, as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. This is who we are to God. You know, do you find yourself worrying about the future? Are you fearful of what lies ahead for you, what tomorrow will bring? Well, you know, the glorious truth is that when we are in the family of God, God the Father has taken care of everything. As Peter writes in his first letter, he's begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Isn't that amazing to know that, to receive that, regardless of any natural inheritance we may or may not get that's passed down to us, and actually none of which goes to us when we die. You know, our father in heaven has reserved the most amazing inheritance with him in heaven. He's saying to us, all I have is yours. You see, this is his family. This is what it means to be in the family of God, the church. Knowing who we are, our identity together. Knowing who we are, our equality together. And knowing who we are to God, our glorious destiny together. And all of this, regardless of our natural family upbringing and experience, however good and bad it was and it is. And all of this freely given to all who would believe in Jesus and choose to make home with him. You know, recently uh, a friend of mine came to church after six months absence due to this COVID-19 virus. And by his own admission, he'd allowed some fear to creep in and he kept away longer than he needed to. But then he walked into church and he said he had the overwhelming sense that he'd come home. That was his words, that I've come home. I love that. And please note, he wasn't the building that he was referring to. It was being in God's presence, the dwelling place of God in the spirit. To him, it was all about coming home. And I want to encourage you today. If you have not come home to the Father, you've stayed away, you've stayed at a distance, then come home to him today. Let him, by his spirit, restore what has been stolen and lost in your identity as you literally walk into his embrace and know his fatherly love for you as his child. And we're going to pray, be praying for that in a moment. I also want to encourage you, if you see yourself at home with the father and yet sense you've lost sight of who you are in the family. In other words, you, you see other believers as more important as you, or, or others as more valuable, or their ministry as more significant as what God is doing in and through you, then I want to encourage you, let the Father reveal his heart to you today and show you your place in his family. Let him place around you the truth that you're always with him and all that he has is yours. But then I want to encourage all of us to recommit as family members of this beautiful, hope-filled, love-filled, glorious family, the church. Choosing to celebrate one another, not moan or bring someone down. Choosing to raise up, not criticise or knock down. Choosing to champion one another, not hold back or control. And above all, For each one of us choosing to love one another in this family and beyond as Christ loves us and as he's given all to us, his children, welcoming into his family and knowing our belonging to him, our identity, our equality and our destiny. Let's pray together. I just firstly want to lead us in prayer for those who, who feel at this time that, uh, you've, you've been away from that dwelling place of God in the spirit of his home. And if you sense that urge within you to, to come home to the Father, then I just want to pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you for all that you've spoken to us about your family, which is your design and your intention for every single person made in your image. And I pray right now for every single person who's been away from you, but this moment in time have come to their senses and they're coming back to you, Father. And I pray for them right now as you're meeting them, you're running to them, to embrace them with your love. That you would reveal to them your love for them. They would know who they are in you. Sons and daughters of the living God. And I pray for you right now, if you are coming to the Father and and just choosing this time to come back to him. I, I pray for you right now that you would know the Father's love pouring into you right now. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. Come and fill everyone, that they would know they are precious in your sight. They would receive that robe around them, the robe of forgiveness. They would just sense you placing on their finger the ring of their identity, that they are a son and daughter of yours and that they would know your celebration of love encompassing them right now. Come, Holy Spirit, pour upon every person. And I just bless you to receive his love right now. And Father, for those of us who have just uh, not seen our, our place in your home, our equality uh, before you, who we are to each other, I, I pray, Father, that you would just cleanse us of that lie of the enemy that says we're no good or we're lesser than another, and that we would hear the godly truth that you're speaking to us right now when you say to each one of us, all I have is yours. And as you're embracing and welcoming us to draw near. And so I pray for you, if that's you, to know the Father's love right now. Come Holy Spirit, would you wash away those lives? Would you cleanse us from those ungodly beliefs about ourselves and other people? And reveal in the light of your truth who we are to each other and who we are to you. And Father, for each one of us, I pray that we would recommit ourselves to your glorious family. That we would choose this day to celebrate, to raise up, to champion and above all to love one another as you love us. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your love. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.